Well, we'll wipe that clean because it's a Monday and Monday means it's time for sessions with Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. I am your yes. host, Gordon Freed. I'm Rena Ezra. And I'm Brendan O'Brien. And we have a very, very special guest today, a personal friend of mine who uh, it was good to see was releasing a project uh, so that we could have him on. The artist uh, known as Havike. Uh, Whoa. Torres. Yeah. Hi, guys. Oh, uh, thank you guys for having me. Uh, here. Musical artist, filmmaker, comedian, a multi-hyphenate. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good. You know, I also, you know, I also cook really well. So, you know, we can just add that one in there. No, that's... Uh, actually, you do cook really well because... I think- <laughs> I think I think when I met you originally, uh, I don't know, I don't know if we started talking about this project, but you were definitely in early stages of like leftover chef type shows, cooking type shows, because you had your own shows that were hilarious. Which like I want you to send me a link to those because I could not find them, and I was like trying to dig through the internet. I just remember are you, are like you trying to are you talking about and, the, like uh, drafts? Oh yeah, you're talking about the grill <laughs> videos. Yeah, cooking yeah, at Pete's with uh, cooking at Pete's house with Dante. Yes, cooking at oh, Pete's man. house with Dante. Well, any sessions with Mary Jane episode has to have a challenge for our guests, just to do in the background, uh, just to give them a little mental exercise so that they live longer and stay wiser. <laughs> um, so, just in the background, name as many TV chefs as you can. You know, TV chefs. Uh, just kind of throughout the the episode. That is yeah. anytime you want. Yeah. All right. Well, first off, I'm going to hit you guys with Bobby Flay. Uh, Second off, I'm going to hit you guys with Gordon Ramsay. And then I'm going to I'm going to give you guys more as we go. I just wanted to get the okay, first two nice. just out there. Solid. But nice. now, now you guys got me thinking. Well, <laughs> I figured we should start with your culinary uh, origins. Uh, you grew up in a garbage plate of a place, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, so I, I yes, I am. I'm from Rochester, New York. Uh, oh my God! Uh, no, that's what they're known delicacy. for. Delicacy. That's like yeah, a- they're known for they're known for a dish called the garbage plate, which uh, is, as it sounds, um, horrifying to look at. Uh, very delicious to eat. Horrifying to have eaten. What does it consist of? So it's basically, it's just, you know, honestly, it is, it is good, you know, but uh, so you, you have a base layer, right? And so the best garbage plate is not even on a plate. It's in a styrofoam like clamshell. You have a base layer of uh, hash brown potatoes okay, and macaroni salad. Some people like to substitute the mac salad with baked beans. I think that's wrong, but that is their decision. On top of that, base layer you either get two hamburger patties Mm -hmm. or two split open hot dogs Mm -hmm. and then on top of that you have just like this this like healthy drizzle of a spicy meat sauce um with greek origins uh it it originated with a guy named nick tahoe who you know well the restaurant was called nick tahoe's but it basically the, the meat sauce kind of derived from like this you know this greek immigrants kind of meat sauce recipe and then they were like let's put it on top of all this stuff and so it's kind of the go-to place where any time of the day if you're in rochester new york you can have a garbage plate the older like every year past 
being a teenager, like the less often you should be eating them, like within a single <laughs> year. <laughs> but you're no longer there now. You are you from? You're in New Orleans now. Is this where you? Are? Yeah. So I live in New Orleans now. I moved. Uh, I grew up in Rochester. Went to college in Rochester, and then moved to New Orleans after after college, and linked up with um, some homies that uh, I had kind of met. You know abroad and stuff uh my friend frank spiro who jordan knows as well uh he kind of brought me down to new orleans uh he was like man you should consider moving to new orleans and he had this short film and that's actually where jordan and i first met he 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 brought me down to run sound for for one of his short films and uh you know i kind of met a lot of frank's friends became a friends with a lot of frank's friends and you know just kind of fell into a, a, a social circle situation, you know, that was very, very beneficial for someone just moving to a new city. Wow. What, what did you fall in love with when you started living in New Orleans, your first? So my desire has, has always been to be a creative, you know, specifically for a long time, that meant to me being a filmmaker uh, and, you know, looking at you know so getting ready to graduate college it's like okay you can either do LA or New York like that's where you go to make those things happen um and I just I I I just felt the sense of wanting to do things my way uh you know just things a little bit differently a a place where I can try and fail without having to pay you know a million dollars in rent um And uh, there is like actually a booming film industry in in New Orleans. So like there's a lot of film work happening. Um, I happened to move right at the time in this like three year window where they took away all the work, all the tax incentives. So like I picked the perfect time to arrive because there was actually not much of it for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you know, I my time in New Orleans has really been just kind of, it's so much as an artist, you're so free to experiment and try things. And there's like so many venues that are willing to support artists who like, you know, are just trying to commit and, you know, give their all to, you know, something. Yeah, no, that, that I respect that. That is that. Yeah. Yeah. What is like the closest thing to a garbage plate that they have in New Orleans, whether it be like the iconicism or just like the quality itself? Good question. The closest thing to a garbage plate in New Orleans is, well, I think what New Orleans understands is, is the idea of the plate being a styrofoam clamshell. when you get get like a plate of red beans and rice you're getting a styrofoam shell where half of it is rice half of it is red beans and then you got some like fried chicken or hot sausage on top of it so in terms of lots of foods being condensed and put on top of each other like new orleans it's like you can name like most dishes are that you know yeah they get to it that is your (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah do you remember your first cooking like who taught you or what you cooked so my first um cooking love it was two things uh one was breakfast food i used to once i figured out a toaster i was like hey mom happy mother's day here's a piece of toast uh you know moved into being able to cook eggs and then over the summers my sister and I would kind of you know we would just like hang out at home and uh 
we would just see how many chocolate chips we could fit into a pancake. Like we were just like experimenting <laughs> in the kitchen. You know what I mean? Like, because you know, whatever we didn't have money, we couldn't order food. We're kind of in a suburban spot, so there wasn't any like where to like walk to. So we're just like, fuck it, let's see what we can fuck around with. And then the next thing was the level up was getting a George Foreman grill and making cheeseburgers uh, because I. I don't know if you guys know, but it's the thing. I really do feel like there is a cheeseburger kit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like as a, we still have. As, a, as a kid, cheeseburgers were like very much ingrained in my personality. Just like how I carried myself in the world was like hmm. being a cheeseburger kid. <laughs> um, okay. I loved cheeseburgers, you know? Yeah. And so, so it, it makes it makes sense that that eventually evolved into, you know. Well, I'm going to ask you a very controversial question then. What is the uh, best burger in New Orleans, according to you? Ooh. Oh, here's the thing. It's not controversial. It's actually very easy. Um, my neighbor, my homie Fredo, he runs a burger pop up called Burger Nerds. They focus on smash burgers, just like really like well-seasoned, just like classic smash burgers. But then he also hits the smash burgers with queso. Um, And he's just, you know, it's just like consistent, very good, classic, just like, mm, just like a true burger. So that's what I would say. I would say that uh, for like the, like just sticking to the roots of a burger. As far as like a fine dining burger, I do find myself partial to the Tubes Meadery Burger. Ooh, all right. Which, um, they do, you know, I honestly, I've been to that restaurant a few times and, uh, you know, uh, Isaac Toops, like he's been on like fucking like munchies and, and vice and stuff. Like he's like kind of like popping as a, as, a, as a chef, which is really cool to see. So you go to the restaurant and it's like, okay, I can maybe afford one of these appetizers um, <laughs> but he, he he does uh they do a chef special lunch which is a burger fried boudin balls house made chips and a beer for like 20 wow. bucks it's an amazing deal and such an amazing burger mm. oh my god it's out of control they 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 get you with i mean brioche bun obviously kind of a thicker smaller you know patty of just like you know why why you beef is i i feel like that's like a new thing which i you know whatever i i don't understand uh the intricacies of beef that well but you know (laughs) and then they got the the pickled thinly sliced uh thinly sliced summer squash oh wow this plant-based mouth water i know <laughs> yeah like listen to the home you're probably also uh getting the munchies Sounds right now good. listening to this yeah, yeah we just started <laughs> we're starting with food where do we go from here yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> who who did you like uh watching on tv growing up were there your own personal like tv chefs where you're like ah oh, like you said, Bobby Flay, he's on at five o'clock. I got to go home. And I have to watch this. I got to watch Bobby Flay I gotta beat write people. Honestly, as, as far as like chef growing up with, it's uh, all about Gordon Ramsay, man. Hell's Kitchen was such a great was, show. Yeah, it was. Um, and actually right at the beginning of the pandemic, my girlfriend and I, uh, we had just started watching uh, Kitchen Nightmares. which is an insane show because that first season is all like 
right before the great recession like it's all like 2007 and it's like these people already have a failing restaurant it's like oh no things yes. are about to be yes. so much worse for you <laughs> that's high stake that's really really yeah. high stakes. Yeah. yeah yeah oh my god there was one episode where the guy had managed to get his parents-in-law to be the ones paying for his restaurant and like the restaurant was like failing big time uh, it's like oh my head. god yeah like you yeah. got the whole family just like tied in this Uh-oh. yeah yeah you better start cleaning your refrigerator then man i don't know what to tell you oh, <laughs> that's the thing the family bit like they're going down with the ship and you're just yeah like, i also love it when people it's like i don't know if it was i don't remember which episode but when like somebody dropped food on the floor and they just picked it up and continued cooking with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he sees it and runs. he's like gordon ramsey you know he's gonna flip a shit and you're yeah. like oh my god you get like yeah it gets me excited but also with that you know what's you know what's interesting that i've heard and i've actually never followed up or done any research but I've heard that the shows that he does in the UK, like he's actually a lot chiller. It's that he plays it up for the American shows because American audiences like it, I guess, to watch yes. servers workers be berated. Uh, <laughs> I also heard that, yeah. 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 I think there definitely is a PR move to that for sure. Because mm-hmm. it's focused on ratings, right? Who's going to watch what yeah. TV and they know what market or what view, who, what viewers they're catering to. Yeah. Also, Simon Cowell <laughs> proved that Americans love watching angry British yeah. people <laughs> say snarky yeah. things to Americans. Yeah. Absolutely. There's nothing America loves more than a like really terse a uh, sarcastic British person. Yeah, we have this like, weird dominatrix. Yeah, we have this like, weird dominatrix relationship with England because it's like they used to be our parent country. We separated, but we like getting punished by that. Yes. <laughs> Give me my freedom, but yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Tina Harbor. <laughs> Tell me what I'm doing wrong, but stay over there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Speaking of music. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was gonna ask uh, when when did you uh, start working on this project and this uh, this act? When so again, oops, oops, all bangers is the name of the mixtape I'm dropping. Um, it's very much and I so I oh excuse me, I started um, recording uh, rap. In 2018, I started writing and like taking it seriously. You know, I'd always, you know, been extremely interested in the genre, but I would always, I was just always too timid to like sit down and like actually write something out for more than like half an hour without feeling embarrassed. So like I've always dabbled with rap, but just like never really felt confident enough with it. And then 2018, you know, I'd been in New Orleans for a couple of years and I was uh, running, you know, I was, I was helping to run this uh, backyard variety show where, you know, we're seeing a lot of kind of artists who weren't normally getting stage time, like be able to take like huge creative risks. And I was like, you know what, like, this feels like the right community to, to try something like this, you know, with, you know, and so I started writing you know, for a couple of years, recording a little bit, but I knew it wasn't there yet. And then the pandemic hit and it was kind of like, oh man, I, I, I need to at least put out one of these things or else 
you know, it, it was very like a doomerism mentality that kind of fueled me to be like, I got to put stuff out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I put out my first song in 2020 and, you know, ever since I've just kind of consistently been relied, writing and, and, and releasing, uh, you know, singles, you know, the odd music video uh, every once in a while, uh, which is great because I can make my own music videos, you know? Um so like I edit like and you know create a lot of my own outside music content yeah what's the experience like of directing your own music videos um so the first music video I released um was the the video kind of I was completely by myself in the video because like it was very much mid-pandemic like isolation was like a huge aspect of it so like I just kind of had the idea to take my phone you know, and, and film like kind of cinematic angles of, of, of solitude. So it's um, your Bo Burnham inside. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like it was kind of an inside thing. And like, I, uh, I had, I, you know, and so like, I'd gotten a couple shots here or there and one, you know, day I was like, you know what, let me mix up a little uh, magic mushroom tea, you know, let me just like really sink into this moment. Mm-hmm. And um I'm doing that and then, you know, listening to the song on repeat, obviously. And then at a certain point, I'm just like scrolling on my phone and I'm like going through my photo reel and I'm like looking at all these videos I've shot, you know, just around my time. Cause like, I, I felt like there wasn't enough to this video that I was shooting. And then I realized like, oh, I've been shooting this music video for like three years. So, so very much like the video is just kind of, it's, it's it's a mixture of like kind of these cinematic moments that I like design and then like clips from just like life you know what I mean and so yeah I like that and so like that felt like a huge breakthrough and I feel like that's been like kind of how I like to approach a lot of my stuff um the video I put out last summer OTW uh was actually uh directed by my good friend Trevor uh and it was uh me and uh another rapper in New Orleans Daniel Masterpiece Jones and uh God, that was that was fun because like it was it was kind of like a very much a collaborative effort you know and it came out so silly and uh yeah just like a really good time we had a really good time and we like you know we had like a little bit of a budget on that one which was like kind of scary because it was like you know and then what (laughs) you know (laughs) what did you Um, specifically enjoy about collaboration I think honestly as a as a person just like I you know I love storytelling but I love hearing people's stories and like I like kind of like I don't like always necessarily you know even though I'm trying to you know whatever be a rapper I don't like being like always the this the center of everything like I like to hear what other people are bringing to things because like I you know I tend to think that a lot of people probably have better ideas than I do you know and I'm trying to I'm trying to see what else you know what else people are bringing to the table so it's just like a curiosity and just like how you know how other people view kind of artistic situations and just situations in general which I really enjoy um so what musicians um, do you like stylistically? Um, stylistically, I would say I'm trying to merge together like three kind of three, three artists, you know, that I, that I really like. Um, I think that 
Mac Miller was a huge inspiration. And, and especially, you know, when he passed the way he did, like, that was like a sense of grief that I had never felt before. And I was like, honestly shocked by it. Like I was shocked by how much I like grieve for Mac Miller, you know? Wow. And, and I think just like the kind of music that he was making and like the direction he was going, I think what Mac brings to the table brought to, you know, brings to the table and like what made him like so unique. Cause it is such a difficult and tricky position, you know, to be a white rapper but I think what Mac Miller managed to capture with his music was just like a full unapologetic and just like real showing of who he is. Cause I think that's how you make, that's how like, I think people get in trouble when they get into hip hop because they get into it for the wrong reasons and they want to represent the wrong things and they want, you know? And so like, I think like an intense and just like naked honesty of who you are and having that be like, the focus of your music like I think that's how you you know make a space for yourself in the genre of hip-hop without you know feeling like you're like appropriating or like doing you know the wrong thing or just kind of like exploiting it for a buck you know for sure and I really like that about Mac Miller that it felt you know like especially his you know it just it just felt like he was very much it was the love of the culture that was that was propelling him it was authentic Um, it was his genuine yeah, self. Yeah, exactly. It was just like yeah. his genuine self. Um, same thing with Kid Cudi. You know, that's what I like that he brought to the table. And, you know, the the experimentation he does with his voice and his melodies have been hugely influential on me. You know, I was like a huge Kid Cudi stand in high school. So it's like, you know, in certain ways, it's like, I, I want to do what he did. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like kind of silly, but it's like, you know, I I, I think he just like, he brings a certain level of like his music is is very much trying to be aspirational and inspirational um and then this is kind of uh uh a more niche artist um but someone who i am really inspired by is this rapper named cool ad who he was a part of the rap duo das racist mm-hmm. um do you guys they they did like a, a combination of pizza hut and taco bell <laughs> you know that one i'd have like, to go back and listen like it, i mean the song is like stupid it's like they're literally like i'm at the pizza hut i'm at the taco bell That's i'm at the combination it. pizza hut and taco <laughs> bell. <laughs> um and it, but it's so tight and like they were such a dope group and like he's honestly i think cool ad is like he's extremely pro- prolific like he's like constantly like the past few years he just like is releasing like these hundred song albums on Bandcamp, and you know he has like you know kind of like a small but like cult following and I just think he's such a talented lyricist and it's just like damn he just like his his music is very much just like playing with words and 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 concepts and ideas and like being esoteric but like being dope at the same time Mm -hmm. and so like I feel like those are the kind of like three energies that I feel like I bring with me into you know my own personal um, creative journey with music wow that's fantastic yeah what has it been like uh have you done any other shows or just the backyard show have you like been around the scene has it been fun interacting with like New Orleans artists yeah so I also do stand up. So honestly, most of the shows I've done around New Orleans have all been comedy shows, which I really enjoy. I love the New Orleans comedy scene. It's really great. And um, 
we actually got a shot, uh, which was like really fun. Uh, the show local local uproar who uh, it's like an eight year long running show. They they perform at this place called Always Lounge, which is such a like just such a dope venue. Yeah, and um, they uh, we we booked a situation where it was their it was their weekly comedy show, but we and so myself and Daniel Masterpiece Jones to promote like our you know a new song we both did our own stand-up sets and then we closed the show out with with a music set and uh it was sick and like that's the thing that that bums me out about the pandemic is that like the pandemic kind of did take away the backyard show ultimately because you know it just kind of it, it never happened again after the pandemic and it's like damn that was like the space that like I always wanted to do it in and you know I wasn't able to so like being able to to kind of do the comedy but also do the music in the same venue in the same night and like crush it like have like a great show and like everybody's so hyped at the end like it was so much fun you know I I kind of am excited to uh, get back into that which I'm going to do once this project is released you know my plan is to start performing it in places nice um and yeah I, I didn't mean to discount your comedy either you're a great stand-up uh what are some of your favorite spots to uh tell some jokes tell some funnies we definitely have a lot of comics on here but we definitely love hearing about the new orleans scene when yeah when- the new orleans scene is fun you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of great open mics in this town which is cool uh i really love 12 mile limit uh the the bear with me open mic at 12 mile limit that's always been like a really close one to me, just like in proximity. Like I used to be able to walk to it, which was sick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's just like, it's like a very like, it's a more welcoming environment than I feel like you imagine a, an open mic to be. Hmm. And so for that reason, you know, when I was first starting out and like fucking failing miserably in front of these people, it didn't feel like, you know, it didn't it, it it still felt okay it was like hey you get you gave it a shot you know and like there are places where it's like and in comedy you do need to fail it's not like you know if they didn't like it they didn't laugh but you know it wasn't like there was the sense that like everybody there was like you know just in aura of supporting each other doing this craft you know pretty dope um, to have people drinking on a monday too exactly which that's the thing man people are drinking every night so there's like there's going to be people at the bar every night in New Orleans. So there's a open mic every night. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an intense run. I think like the, the longest run I've strung together is, is three nights in a row. And then by the end of it, it's like, you know, it's like, I got to go to work in the morning though. Yeah. <laughs> Different when you're an adult adults doing open mics, I'm finding yeah. it. Out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have much respect to the the hardcore adults who who can do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh you know, but it's 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 fun. I I like doing stand up a lot, and it's uh, what I like about stand up is just the immediacy, and I think that's ultimately because you know I do have all of these things I'm super into, you know, but I think like you know ultimately like I love filmmaking and like I would love to make a film, but I understand that you know that's not like there's not an immediacy to like making like a true blue movie you know what I mean so like there's other things I want to do that to, that kind of like scratch that itch well you know I mean and also things that I feel passionate about um 
Yeah, definitely. What, well, speaking of films, what are some of your faves? What are some that you also saw when you were younger and that just latched onto you and you're like, oh. So uh, one, two films, like this was the, this was probably the double feature that like I carry with me the most. I just think about a lot. My dad told us about the uh, movie Alien and then the movie Aliens with Sigourney Weaver. And he, my dad does not know how to pitch movies when, when he's trying <laughs> to get you to watch because that moment where the alien pops out of the guy's chest, yeah. that is a moment that if you can help not knowing that that's about to happen, it's going to make the movie so much better. But literally my dad is like, oh my God, there's this one movie we got to watch where this guy starts coughing and then this alien explodes out of him. So oh, it's like- He says he tells you what happened. Yeah, it's like dad, come on, like literally any movie, any movie, it's like his pitch to you, the thing that makes it interesting to him is literally like the twist. You know, <laughs> it's literally like like the- the thing that should be enjoyed for the first time yeah that's the hook <laughs> for him though yeah yeah <laughs> Demo weird my dad would be a, a terrible like you know film trailer editor you know oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my god where the, this movie ends like is that this. usually your genre you gravitate to sci-fi sci-fi horror um less sci-fi and more i feel well that's a good question. I mean, I feel like sci-fi and horror are so ingrained. Like, I mean, I, I think a lot about how, you know, sci science fiction kind of delves into the existential, which, you know, can ultimately be yeah. a little bit horror. So, but I like that, you know, I like that kind of what science fiction does in terms of like being commentary on, on you know, the world we live in while also being otherworldly and like, it, you know, a completely separate world. Yeah. Um, horror is also you know a lot of fun too i like watching uh zombie movies 28 days later is another movie that like oh god that movie was just like in terms of just how i thought about films like 28 days later just felt so different you know like it was very much like a artistic zombie movie which mm. i don't think has really truly been attempted since like, I think, like, they, they made the art house zombie, like, what other, you know, I would like to see more art house zombie movies, because it's, like, 28 Days Later was just so effective. Yeah. Yeah, it was. What's up? Do you, so, do you enjoy the feeling of getting scared, or do you even get scared from watching horror movies after watching as many as you have? I used to get so scared I couldn't sleep at night. Um, the more I learn about the process of filmmaking, the more I'm like, a scare is like, I love what they did there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah. Yeah. Like I stopped, I stopped using the the term scary and I just start using the term effective. It's like, Ooh, <laughs> they got me with that one. Uh, but no, I used to, I used to, I remember the, uh, the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead movie, mm. uh, just made me feel so uneasy because then at the end like you know you think it's a happy ending because they get off in their boat and then in the credits you're seeing like clips from this camcorder they have on with them mm. and by the end of the credits they arrive at this island and there's just more zombies and it's like over it's like oh like just like to not have a happy ending like destroyed me as a child I was probably too young to be watching this 
Uh, and also, <laughs> though, maybe it was a valuable lesson to learn is that there aren't always happy endings. Sometimes you get to the place and there's more fucking zombies. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> if someone ran into your room right now and was like, oh my God, the zombies are out here. We have to go. What are the five things you're grabbing right now without thinking about it? And see, that's the thing, though. That's that's like that's the question about the zombies. Is man, you're thinking too hard with this shit. (laughs) 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 Fucking zombies, like, or do I just want to fucking just you know jump out the window and just (laughs) (laughs) take me? Fuck it. There aren't enough. I feel like because like you know, I I think I think twenty eight days later actually has a moment like that where he goes to his parents' house and like his parents just basically like committed suicide, you know, instead of being taken by the zombies, which I think is a fair option. It's like you know, you don't have to deal with these fucking zombies. This is horrible. And even even if you find like because there's one thing if it's if it's in a movie, you know, then there's some sort of an ending. But it's like. In life, man, you're just now. This is fucking life now. God damn. Yeah. You know? That's true. Honestly, that's the most realistic part about The Walking Dead is that it, the whole thing is that it just keeps going on yeah. and on. Sick of this shit. Yeah. yeah. No, that's why after season four, you're just like, oh my god. Yeah, zombies aren't even the problem. They're just having internal wars between humans. Like it's just the problem. Yeah. It's so it's stressful. It's like, man, I miss. I miss I miss TikTok. Come on. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. long do you think TikTok stays up during a zombie apocalypse? That's the uh, question. Because if I'm watching zombie TikToks, yeah. I might be safe for like a couple of days if I'm just like locked in my house. I say they stay up as long as there are cell towers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As long as the electric so where you <laughs> there'll be more TikToks than ever. I yeah, yeah. I'd say as long as the grid still works. Yeah. As long yeah. as they always see like a post-apocalyptic zombie thing, like always mm. it's it's definitely like shit's broken. There's always a con- like you know, you can't get any mm. more service or something happens. Yeah. Like the, as if zombies are rats and they eat through the wires. Like I but it is, I guess, I guess because it's not fully, I mean, at this stage, you would think like, oh, satellite, the cloud, whatever, but I guess it's still people running it. So there's zombies and it's just like, oh, there's nobody, there's nobody there. Yeah. Like, so now who's running the whatever, like who's telling my news on the TV if you're all zombies now. Um, yeah. but with your, with your education in, in f- film, like how much you know about film, your involvement in film, do you get a little... I'm not frustrated, like, I don't know, bummed or something that it kind of has broken the, like when you would watch films when you were a kid versus now and you understand the components behind it, does that kind mm-hmm. of break the movie magic for you? Because you do- It doesn't. More. It doesn't because the only time, like the best movies do it in a way where you don't notice that the movie is doing something. Sure. So like there's you're not calling movies. out the foley as as it's happening, <laughs> huh? You're not calling out the foley as it's happening. That's a blatant, <laughs> no, you know it's not, not exactly. It's not on that level. It's like it's like yeah, <laughs> exactly right. And so like if I'm not if I'm noticing it, that means like something was either pretty bad or um, like fucking amazing. And I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But for the most part, you know, I just, I I, I feel with as much as I know, like, I also, like, love kind of, like, getting sucked into the world. 
at the same time though it's in the movie theater where that happens for me because i my attention span has been so fucked by my phone that like i can't i can't watch a whole movie in my house i just like i i can't i have to like I have to attempt to put my phone in another room. And even then it's like, I will somehow like zombie walk over and like, <laughs> grab my phone and look at it. It's like, oh man, that, that part does uh, suck to me, but I s- still love going to the movie theater and seeing movies in the theater. And then that's when, you know, that's when it's pure movie magic, baby. Yeah. Yeah, we always have to have theaters, honestly, because we need that separation of space. We need that even people who have yeah. at-home movie theaters, and you're like, oh, I can set up a projector. I got these cool seats. Your phone's still there. It's you not like it's different. Yeah. yeah, you still have too much power. You're the one who's running it behind your. Yeah, it's also having theaters. It is like you walk in, the smell of popcorn. You get mm-hmm. you. You have to go there. You got to walk up the steps. The lights dim. The sound is amazing. It's making you put a Dolby. You're like, I can't get Dolby sound in my apartment. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe with some speakers. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's like, but also it would bother my neighbors. Yeah, that was that was honestly my favorite part of the new Batman movie was the moment where the Batmobile like first gets revealed and that shit was rumbling the theater. Like yes. I was like, oh, vibration. <laughs> That Batmobile was mean. I loved it. Did you guys? Did you guys see the Batman? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Where does that rank for you uh, among the Batman canon of movies? Honestly, I you know as a lot of people are big fan of the Dark Knight. I do think the way that the Dark Knight has aged, and also just this movie's specific approach to the concept of Batman as a superhero. I just thought it was a more effective Batman story. And mm-hmm. like the Dark Knight is great. Uh, it has some weird, like, I feel like the politics of the Dark Knight are kind of weird, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically like this guy's got to, he's sometimes, you know, you got to monitor everybody's phone calls. But, you know, because some of these guys, they just want to watch the world burn, you know? So. <laughs> Um, uh, but I mean, obviously, you know, Heath Ledger is great in that movie, but I think Christopher Nolan is kind of not that great of an action director. So there are a lot of the action sequences of the dark Knight are like, like really terrible. Like it it doesn't make sense what is actually going on. Like sometimes it's like visually very confusing. Mm. (laughs) I thought, uh, you know, this movie was just had like the atmosphere was so cool. And, uh, you know, Robert Pattinson. I like Robert Pattinson as Batman. That and Batman job. was scary. Batman yeah. was scary in this movie. Yeah, that eyeshadow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was definitely uh, a new take. Also for more history and context, stuff you were given about his family, the background, the yeah. brother, like there was definitely, which was, I mean, for it being the length of <laughs> the th- almost three hours, was it officially three hours? It's just under three hours. hours. Yeah, it was three hours. For as long as it was, um, yeah, I was hoping to get some more information where I was just like, oh, the Arkham's. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. His mom, it, okay, interesting. Okay, that's new, new take, new take. But yeah, also how he performed as Batman, which was like their focus was different than I think any other Batman they've had. For yeah. Sure. It like the shit he was like, literally just like the shit he was doing with his eyes. It's like, damn. 
oh robert pattinson what a hunk <laughs> yes agreed yeah yeah is there any uh character from literature or comic books or just anything that you've seen in the past that you would love to if you had the opportunity to make a film adaptation of that like maybe there isn't hasn't been done mm -hmm. or maybe it's been done poorly that is a good question i think I don't know. I throw it out. It's because I have like one thought, which is like something I do genuinely really want to make. Uh, it's not based on anything uh, other than a story that my dad told me about from his childhood. Um, but a friend of mine was like, ooh, how crazy would that story be as like a comic book? which I think is sick, you know, I, I can't draw. So it's like, I, I'd have to figure out a way to turn it into a comic book. But mm -hmm. um, basically my dad uh, had just moved to Rochester, you know, and at the time, you know, it was like very, like Rochester is a super segregated city, you know? And so like, like it was kind of like the, the, you know, the Puerto Ricans and like, you know, black families and like, you know, kind of all, you know, all kind of in one area and then like there were also like Italians and like Italian like th there was like a lot of beef between Puerto Ricans and Italians uh that's not that important though what is important is that they played baseball uh they they had church leagues and school leagues and and, and all this stuff and my dad was a part of his church's baseball team they were maybe 14 15 and all the other teams, you know, like they had been funded for a while. Like this was very much like my dad's team was like Puerto Rican bad news bears for, for a church. And so like they, they, they could only afford uh, these embroidered jerseys that just said CC on them. And CC was their church, Corpus Christi. Mm -hmm. they, they show up to their first game and the kids on the other team are like, you know, talking shit. And they're like, what does CC stand for? And, and. The, the kids on my dad's team are like the crash crew <laughs> <laughs> and uh like it was very much like it was it, just the way he made it seem it seemed like that summer was like 75 percent baseball and like 20 percent street brawls mm -hmm. uh, which would be a fucking sick comic i feel like yeah. like like the Warriors meets Bad News Bears, but in comic book form. Oh, wow. That's the pitch right there. Yeah. And then it's the so alien comes out of the chest. Yeah. And then flip <laughs> it on its head. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm so in terms that. of adaptation, like ad adapting just like a story I've been told just like amongst my family is is a big dream of mine. That's cool. cool. That's neat. Yeah. Cause that, I mean, those are the stories that only get passed down or only have like the light shed on them. If you do continue telling those stories, otherwise exactly. they, they leave with the last generation. If nobody passes exactly. them, nobody shares them outside mm. of your circle or anything and you, yeah. And nobody else can take that story. Cause that is unique to your family. Exactly. Yeah. How was it yeah, growing up in that community then for you personally? So, so my dad, um, my dad and my mom, you know, when they had us, they had kind of moved 
you know, kind of into, into Greece, New York, which is more suburban, you know, situation. And so like, I actually didn't like a lot of my peers were just kind of, you know, the white suburban kids. And like, I would see my cousins and like family at like gatherings and stuff, but like the way it just kind of, cause we have like a huge family. Like my dad's, my dad's side of the family, my abuela had 12 children and my dad was one of them. My dad was the 11th t- child. And so like, as you can imagine, just millions of cousins, like, <laughs> like hordes of cousins and just the cohort of cousins that the way it had worked, right? Cause like all the cousins would hang out with each other and stuff. And like, you know, we're all, we're all close, but my sister and I, cause we were born a year apart. So we're, you know, we're a package deal in terms of hanging out. Um, but there was kind of a cohort of cousins that were just like a little bit older, kind of later teenagers, didn't really want to hang out with the little kids. And then there was a cohort of cousins that was like, you know, just like literal small children, babies, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, it was, it was, it was yeah. kind of, you know, it always felt kind of weird going to um, family gatherings and stuff and even family feeling like the slightest bit, you know, alienated. Mm. Um because it would be, you know, these huge gatherings. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I, I think what I have always enjoyed about the big family gatherings and like having such a big family is that, you know, when when we do all get together, like, you know, they all have so many stories about like how they grew up and like just, you know, things they went through and like, you know, they all have such great storytelling styles that like as a kid and even as a teenager and even now, you know, I just, I like to just listen on the conversations, you know? And I've, I've always, I remember one time I like almost spoke up, you know, I I spoke up like my, my, you know, my cousin Raymond was like telling a story and I was like, I have a story about that. And, but I said it kind of quietly and I didn't think anybody heard me. And so then I was like, you know, I just kind of like proceeded back but then you know the whole table was quiet and then they're all looking at me like what's your story about that and I'm like in that moment was like didn't think anybody heard me and now they're putting pressure on me and it's like I forgot actually I don't actually (laughs) so you know I think I think the more I live life and and you know grow up and 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 meet people and go on whatever journey I'm going on the more I can kind of come to that table and actually have stories to tell which is a lot and of you fun. do you have a big audience because obviously it's a, a lot of a lot of family members do you only exactly. have one sibling or is there uh, i have two siblings so i have a sister who was born um 14 months after i was and then my youngest brother was born 10 years later so mm-hmm. there's like there's kind of like my sister and i and then my little brother who was you know who was born when you know we're like 11 and 10 years old and so like even through that that age gap though like we all as siblings we're all like really tight and really close which is really cool that is cool yeah I have a brother who's 10 years younger yes so totally were you trying to like you know sorry go ahead no it's just like fun to be able to tap in in with Gen Z and just like really be on the ground like seeing what's going on otherwise you're completely separate and you just don't but there do you feel like there is just a, a language you know barrier like not a physical obviously it's very but like a cultural thing where just they do they say or do stuff and you're like what are what are you talking about like what are you doing what is happening honestly like i don't think so like I, so you're just more hip. My, my brother and i are like, <laughs> very like 
What? Sorry, what? what no, I'm just saying. So you're more hip. I'm clearly just an old. No, no, it's just it's it's not even about being hip. I just feel like my little brother, like we're very similar in personality and also like kind of in taste. So my brother, you know, kind of you know, with is with it, but like also kind of an outsider with it. You know what I mean? So it's like my brother isn't out here like doing TikTok dances or, you know, like like, they are doing it. He is doing it like ironically though. Like he's very much like kind of got that sense of humor of like kind of like more of like that that ironic detachment kind of situation, which you know you love to see it. Yeah. Do you Um, feel like it would have been different if you had a sibling 10 years younger who was a girl? Um, so, uh, so that's where it gets, it's, it's interesting, right? Um, because my brother was, um, you know, uh, my brother was born a girl. Um, and so, uh, he, he, he is trans. So like he is, he is, you know, transitioning as a boy. I'm sorry. And, uh, and, uh, so it's, it's so, it's so interesting. Cause it's like, I never, you know, I, I just like, kind of like always understood that to be the, I, I, you know, I knew my, you know, little brother or, you know, I knew he was, you know, not like all the other kids, you know what I mean? Like in terms of like, the kind of stuff he was into, you know, and, and stuff like that. So if, you know, I had like, uh, like a younger sister who kind of, you know, I, I, you know, I, I think it's an important perspective, you know? So it's like, I, it would be cool to have, you know, uh, God, I'm, I'm so stoned. I'm sorry. I'm just kind no, of. No, no, no. That was totally my misstep. I, yeah, I was unaware and I couldn't necessarily ask the question, but I do feel it is very, very cool. It doesn't matter whoever the person is. Um, right. They are fortunate to, you know, you guys for having the connection you have that it doesn't, you know, necessarily make a difference, yeah. at whatever the gender is, whether it's a he or she. Yeah. Today. Um, because you are so close-knit and growing up and, you know, having whatever similarities and different, and it is like, it, it is kind of them opening the door or the vortex to you to like, yeah, specifically their generation. Cause exactly. wouldn't think there'd be like 10 years is a, is a difference, no matter what it is like an age gap, but they are, I, I feel like my younger brother definitely is just really mature with stuff too. And they are just very yeah. things and they're very like, there is something where I feel like he's a lot more evolved than I was at that age. Mm-hmm. So right. that's amazing. Well, and that's, yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, like we obviously, you know, we experienced a little bit of time without the internet, but they have always fully just been engulfed by Emerging. the internet. And I think there is like a, just like a level of, like when you talk to to anybody 10 years younger, like, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it's just my memory, but like, I don't remember, you know, he, hearing the kind of vocabularies that, that current yeah, <laughs> yeah. kids have. It's like kind of cool. You know what I mean? It's like, damn, you guys are, you know, it is you guys so- are all talking about stuff. 
Yeah, too. Also applaud and admire because like your younger sibling and my younger brother, they they definitely know their identity. I feel like they know who they are. I did not know who I was like still figuring that, but I feel like they're a lot more confident. Yeah. And know who who they are and their identity and what they relate to and everything. And it is just more uh, it's just a stronger. I don't know what it is, but they're just so much more aware about it. Um, yeah. remarkable because I feel like that that would just make your life so much easier if I knew yeah. <laughs> like confident already well, and, it's, and, and that's what's so cool about having conversations with my younger brother because like when when we talk about like oh did you watch this did you watch this like it very much like is like we truly get into like this critical analysis like talking about themes and stuff like that it's like this is shit I learned how to do in college and I'm having this conversation with you when you're like uh you know you're about to be a senior in high school you know what I mean it's like it's like wild it's like fucking hell yeah don't study film in college like you got it just use YouTube like you figured it out okay (laughs) you did it for free (laughs) it's true they do have a plethora of resources or more resources than than we had I guess I, but that's for for every generation, right? Because you have exactly. more resources than your parents had. You had yeah. a lot more at your disposal, things that you could just a wealth of information that our parents did not have at that time. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 wild too, because it's like you, you. That's that's what's so funny about just because you know because my sister and I were like kind of so much older. Um, you know, we left the house, we went to college. And so like, it's just so funny, like hearing about like, just like how my dad and, you know, it, it is still ultimately like a teenager parent relationship. Like my parents are obviously like very supportive of him and like, you know, like, like are just fully, you know, fully affirm, you know, his identity and just like, are, you know, great to be around, but there are still moments where it's just like, you aren't quite familiar with the intricacy. And it's like, frustrating you know for him so it's like they they do butt heads a lot um and it's like (laughs) but then at the same time it's like also it's like how much of that is like my dad you know my parents are like oh like because they're trying to get it and sometimes they don't know stuff and then how much of that is just like classic teenager parent dynamic of just like like oh leave me alone yeah yeah you know (laughs) i don't think they'll ever get old that will always be the fabric of yeah teenagers (laughs) always storm to their room angrily back in the cave days and they'll do it 200 (laughs) years in the future it's just hormones i really think it's hormones i think it's (laughs) like they can teenagers can be monsters and like i'm sure we were monsters (laughs) i can speak for myself but oh i know for a fact that i was such a fucking asshole to my parents when I was a teenager because like I would just be like oh like oh you guys like that movie oh like you know like, just the worst <laughs> yeah and then you just grow up and you look back and you're like why 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 was I so yeah, severe like, with this time? sorry I was so mean to you guys everything also seems so precious everything seems so Mm -hmm. big and magnitude is so high when you're a teen you're just like this is the ultimate this is the be all or end all like I can't like everything how what people say about me what I'm into whatever like the scales just it's different because we I you know shrug things off more as we get older because the significance isn't as 
I just, but I feel like everything becomes super significant when you're, yeah. when you're yeah. just like, I've well, got yeah, it. Absolutely. You start, you start like fantasizing about making memories that look like, like a One Republic music video. Yeah. <laughs> and like, wow. Like, yeah, we're going to go to this twinkly field and like dance and it's going to be like, you know, we're all going to be really spaced out and good dancers and there's going to be a truck in the background. You know? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Falling from star. Visual. Um, oh. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, we've talked a lot, a lot about <laughs> high art. We've talked a lot about uh, serious topics, light topics. Uh, what is your uh, trash TV that you like to watch mindlessly? Trash TV, it's, it's been tough to, so, so one thing, and my girlfriend and I butt heads about this constantly, I do, I do like trashy TV, so my immediate answer is Jersey Shore, I have like, just like, oh. I remember hating it at first, and then being like, okay, like, what's up with Sammy and Ronnie, you know, like, it is fun, because like, you realize that that stuff is so much fun to watch with groups of people, and just like, because, because now you're just privy to this mess, and this drama, yeah. um, I think for a long time, I used to just like resent trash TV and reality TV because it's like, oh, you know, like this is this is ruining the sanctity of whatever. But at the same time, you know, my girlfriend is like, yeah, I fucking work a hard job and I come home. I don't want to have to think about more stuff. Like, I just want stuff to be happening, just like smoothing my brain out. And it's like, you know what? Actually, I, I understand the desire. It yeah, is, it exactly. is, you know, it's crucial. But I'll I'll say Jersey Shore, like Jersey Shore a lot. I don't I haven't I have yet to sit down for a full season, but I feel like The Bachelorette is such a fantastic, like it makes sense that it's like the most popular show ever because it's like such a fantastic concept. And I like, you know, because like The Bachelor is like, eh, you know, whatever. I I think The Bachelor is okay. But I think what's cool about The Bachelorette is the idea that it's these 12, you know, or these 22 like juiced up bros being like bro you don't even care about like her emotional <laughs> like <laughs> i just think that aspect of it is so fun <laughs> yeah, i'm sure entertaining yeah um we'll just check back into your tv chefs list <laughs> yeah oh my god tv chefs uh i think you know emerald lagasse bam we love to see it uh rachel ray you know she has fun guests on sometimes i think she had a fun episode with uh with Action Bronston, which I enjoyed watching. Um, gosh, I, uh, <laughs> like, <wow. laughs> uh, shout out to binging with Babish. He's he's not a TV chef; he's a YouTube chef. He's from Rochester, New York. Uh, yeah. If I could meet binging with ba- Babish one day, like I feel oh, like that man. would be the height of like my my star ladder climbing. You know what I mean? Like I would like to meet that man. YouTube has TV, right? Whatever it's called. We'll count it. Right. I, yeah, yeah. There's YouTube okay. TV. Yeah. You, you know. uh, honestly, screen. watching YouTube is almost the same as watching you anything. You can get YouTube on your TV. On your TV. Yeah. 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 Honestly, YouTube is like my, like over the pandemic, I got so good at cooking just because I was watching so much cooking content on YouTube. And so like the God of that shit, by the way, is J. Kenji Lopez Alt. He's like, he, he approaches shit from like a very food science perspective. And oh my God, like, so, like some of the recipes, like, like it's all just like making perfect versions of like pretty simple things. Here's how you make a goddamn perfect steak or like perfect roasted potatoes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that guy. That guy is a legend. 
Oh my gosh, it sounds like. Do you have any more you want to add before uh, we close out the session? Uh, I think I think that's it. I think that's those are all the. What's his number? All the names will drop. Well, you got a very spicy six TV chefs. Congratulations! Oh, spicy six. Oh, thank you. Yes. How uh, how did I do? How do I stack up against? Uh, well, everybody gets a different challenge. So you're, oh, you're okay. your own challenge, yeah. Yeah, you're, okay, you're, yeah, there's you're tied. a different, I guess. Yeah, you're, I think you're tied with two other people. So two other people have also got six. So you in are whatever in good their, company. Yeah, categories, yeah. Hell yeah, great. Well, cool. This so everybody so should look out for Oops All Bangers. What else, uh, yeah, anything else that we plugs. should be looking out for? Yeah, so you guys can find me on all the social medias with the same tag at it's Javike, I-T-S-J-A-V-I-Q-U-E. I've got a project on the way, Oops All Bangers. It is a mixtape, uh, like a Dat Piff style mixtape. So like most of the songs are just kind of on beats that I really like from like Kanye and Vince Staples and all that. And then there's a really great song at the end that I actually made with my best friend that is like, feels like a level up in terms of like, my abilities so keep your eyes out for oops all bangers i'm very proud of that project i think it's gonna go i think it's gonna be fucking awesome for people to hear it um and yeah follow me on the socials you know i'm on them you know i'm on the internet baby uh yeah that's that's it this cool. is wonderful thank you again for being on the show uh and as usual yeah. audience uh stay tuned for late night hump sketch comedy and podcasts and films and go to late <laughs> peace out